A five-year-old boy lets us into his world by describing what he loves, his mom, Dora the Explorer, and his room. But as we spend more time with this boy, we quickly realize something is seriously wrong with his world. Does the room hold more than he knows? And is he in more danger than he understands? The boy, Jack. The book, Room, by Emma Donahue, and you're listening to Lit Society. Let's, Let's get lit! Hey readers, hey, this is Kari. And this is Alexis. And you're listening to Lit Society, a show about books and drama. Alexis, may I ask you, first off, I would like to start this episode with a trigger warning, right? We're going to talk about things like uh, child abuse, kidnapping, assault, and um, unaliving oneself. Yeah, so we're not going to get into, uh, we're not going to linger on these subjects too much, but we are going to talk about them and their key points in our our discussion, both in the theme of the week and the deep dive into the story. Um, so if you've been listening to our show for a while, or if you're a lo- new listener, please understand that before we talk about the book, we have a brief discussion about it usually, or a theme that's inspired by it. And this week, the theme of the week is what to do if you're being kidnapped. Alexis. Yes. Do you think you've ever been in the middle of a kidnapping or potential kidnapping? Uh, how can I say this? Uh, wow. Yes. Okay. Okay. Enough said. Um, I would say I've been followed a couple times and once or twice I just thought I was being followed and wasn't nobody thinking about me. And that's fine. One time I crossed the street because it was just me and um, this guy in Chicago's West Loop, especially I'll say about seven years ago, there were long stretches of it where it was kind of just you and somebody else for blocks. Ooh. <laughs> and I saw I crossed That's the true. street. That's true. Remember? That's true. Yes. Yeah, yes. Like, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I crossed Scary. the street and this guy crossed the street and ran toward me. And he said, you going to make me run all day trying to catch up with you. And then he kept running. (laughs) Obviously, (laughs) he was insulted that I had crossed the street and he wanted to make a point. However, whatever. I was ready to fight. Keys in hand. So let's talk about what you should do, listeners, and what we should do if we ever feel we're being kidnapped. Uh, One case comes to mind, um, and that is the case of Ariel Castro. Do you remember this? No, it doesn't sound familiar. Um, so two things, a screen door, a neighbor and a McDonald's. Do you remember now? No. no? Okay. No. Uh, so three girls uh, that grew to be women were imprisoned for about 10 years in Ariel's home. Um, oh. He had a series of doors that he used to keep them in there. They were subject to multiple sexual assaults, um, beatings that induced miscarriages and one did have a girl a six-year-old girl that she later escaped with um, when the girl was six excuse me um leaving the house one day he left one of the doors unlocked which they thought was a test because he had tested them before and he'd know if you mess with the doors and he beat you um so they thought this was a test but um They took their chance, yelled at a neighbor. The neighbor got help um, and the girls were removed from the home 
Ariel was then arrested at a McDonald's. He, although imprisoning them for 10 years, only spent a month in jail before taking his own life, which is usually how it goes. Mm. Um, those three girls, though, have very uh, specific ways that they were taken. Um, one girl was 21 when she was taken and he was supposed supposedly supposed to drop her off from her job at a Burger King. I think the other two nice. girls were minors um, and they were lured with a promise. First, uh, he told one girl that he was looking for his daughter, who was her classmate. Can you help me? Oh. I'm looking for my daughter. And that is a um, something you hear often. Like, can you help me find my dog? Can you help me look for my daughter? Um, of course, we want to be kind, right? But there's no room for kindness. What's the uh, Batman quote that's actually pretty good? You want to be <laughs> decent in an indecent time. You remember that? Oh, that's a good one. No, I, I don't it know that. A good one. <laughs> uh, yeah, ain't no room for decency. No, go look for your daughter. I can call my parents. I can call an authority and they can help you. But I'm right. 16, 17, 18, 29, 32, 46. Whatever the case. Ain't nothing I can do. I'm just a baby. I'm not the answer. <laughs> Don't I'm ask me. I'm 72 years old. I can barely see. Let me Mm-mm. call right now. Let me call 911 and they're going to help you. Somebody's right. going to help you. Okay. Um, but it ain't going to be me on this here day. Uh, also, do you remember during... I'll say last year and a little bit into the summer, there was suspicion that people were going missing young men in the Chicago area. This was hmm. really big on TikTok, actually. No, I don't remember that. Yeah, well, I only bring that up because um, these men were leaving uh, bars and lounges after like happy hour hours. Oh, so, yes, remember? yes, yes. I so do. do I do remember? remember that. It was during the pandemic and they would just disappear. Um, and there was no clue. I think they were college age students mostly. Is that is this the same one? That sounds right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and um yeah, there are a lot of like bodies found in rivers and right. things like that. Mm-hmm. And people are like, all of this must be connected possibly or, you know, big city living that that happens. So maybe it's not connected. Maybe it is. But I bring it up because the story was that a lot of these men were lured with women, women either offering them a ride or uh, women asking for help, things like that, things to appeal Oof. to their Perhaps, um, you know, wanting to save somebody. Mm -hmm. And it's a woman. Have you ever gotten in a car with a stranger? Mm. You did. I can tell you did. Look at your face. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. I I, want to say no, but I might have. I might Mm -hmm. have. Mm-hmm. I have okay I have hitched the hike Ooh, this is why terrible why did you do that yeah I was late for work story of my life and um, this is a time when I didn't have a car when I first moved on my own oh my poor mom listening to this and yeah. um, there are two bus systems the bus okay can we start there there are two bus systems in Chicago one's Pace one's CTA CTA is kind of on time Pace comes when it comes you wait when it maybe you'll get a ride comes. that day. Maybe you won't. Maybe, so. maybe not. <laughs> it is so reckless with its scheduling. Mm-hmm. Ain't no, ain't no schedule for a pace bus. <laughs> so, um, a woman pulled up and she said, "Listen, I don't blame you if you don't get in, but this bus you're waiting for, it's gonna take a, a minute or two. 
Ooh, Where wow. do you need a ride I I to? I'm probably story. going your way. <laughs> she said, I story. have a daughter your age. Please just get in this car. I said, thank oh. you, ma'am. <laughs> and you have to. Excuse me. Excuse me. Thank you. Mm. Can you turn up the AC? I don't like this song. Can you change this? You got some Beyonce? So I did. That's a bad decision because um, people can use decoys to yeah. lure you. So perhaps you wouldn't get in a car with a man on your own or a woman. But maybe if there's a child in the car, you'll feel more comfortable. Well, right. bad people know these things. Uh, one girl was actually, uh, uh, she, um, going back to Ariel, she wanted to have a sleepover with his daughter. Her mom said no. And so the girls went their separate ways. Ariel came back and said, well, you know, you can hang out with my daughter at my house or something like that. This is real reasonable. You know, you think you know people. Right, right. But you must be very careful and suspicious of everyone, unfortunately. So, so now that we've talked about how a kidnapping could occur, um, I want to bring out another specific case. And this was written in a Teen Vogue article a few years back about a 14-year-old Michigan girl whose body was found. She was running um, and she texted her boyfriend, OMG, I think I'm being kidnapped. That's the last communication ever heard from her oh before, unfortunately, her body was found. Um, and this prompted the Teen Vogue editors to write an article titled What to Do If You Think You're Being Kidnapped. They spoke with a professional martial arts studio for advice. And so some of this advice is not as preventative as I would recommend with, you know, no expertise. But some points I thought were really useful. And I want to share that with you all now. So what to Great. do? Number one, be aware of your surroundings. What do you think that means, Alexis? What does that mean if I tell you that when you're out in another country or even locally, be aware of your surroundings? It means that I shouldn't be distracted by anything mm. that I have, such as my phone, that I can't know exactly what's going on around me and I'll be able to get out of the way if I need to. You put it better than the writer did because they actually say to put away your phone. Uh-uh-uh. I right. don't agree with that. I say, get that phone out, put it on speaker, even if you're calling nobody <laughs> and mm -hmm. talk loudly and kind of aggressively. You ever do this? Watch your, watch your turn. <laughs> I ain't going to do it. When he going to be here? All I of have, them coming. I have. All mm -hmm. of them coming. Uh-uh. All mm -mm. of them, you know, they got guns. I don't, mm -hmm. like, to, I don't like to ride with them. <laughs> Talking to no one. So, you know, maybe that's bad acting. They're going to get me right away. They're going to be like, she ain't got no friends. I'm getting her. <laughs> you know, they have these. I don't know if your article speaks about it, but they have these apps now that you can turn them on when you're going from one location to another. And I used to use it when I was living in um, Chicago and turn it on and it'll send a notification to the people that I've selected and track me home to my destination and then send like a notification so they could know exactly where I am, the path that I'm taking when I'm by myself. I thought that was a pretty cool feature. So that's great advice. So aside from being aware of your surroundings, try to let people know where you are, even during your safe moments, mm. during the times when you're just running to the store, when you're just um, going from this place to that place. And a way to do that is to turn on your locations um, on your cell phone. If you have an iPhone device, I'm sure Android has something. When we had mm -hmm. Android phones, uh, we could press two buttons at the same right. time and always send an SOS to each other that sends a photo, a map and a short recording. Genius. Right. 
experience to the people that you've selected. I love that feature. Uh, with iPhones, of course, you can have someone who just always knows where you are uh, mm-hmm. if they check. And that's right. useful, right? If right. you're in an Uber or a Lyft, share your route. Share your right. route with a friend. They didn't ask for you to share it. Who cares? Share it with someone who's close by. If your mother lives five states away or your father lives five states away, perhaps share it with a friend that's a little closer and could get help if things start to go wrong. And this is um, this takes preparation. You have to make an you have to take action before things go wrong in this right. case. Um, but that can actually help save your life. So yeah, going back to being aware of your surroundings sure turn down your cell phone don't be overly distracted like alexa said uh, with your devices and be aware of what's going on people around you if you think someone is uh following you what are they wearing what do they look like sometimes i look people right in their face don't feel like you have to be polite or not crazy i feel like as women and i'm sorry for using the c word but as women we're told you know you don't want to seem crazy why why don't you want to seem crazy? Get what's the reason? <laughs> Sometimes crazy people be the safest because they don't don't nobody want them problems. Exactly. Okay. I, I co-sign on that one for sure. So uh, one tip that it does give, don't call your friends like this girl, the 14 year old whose body was found. uh, She texts her boyfriend, OMG, I think I'm being kidnapped. That's so normal. I probably would do the same thing. Mm. A better option though might be to just call 911. Call 911. They're going to get an attitude with you. Because every time I call 911, they got a little attitude. Have you noticed that? <laughs> they be like, how much of an emergency is this emergency? Listen, that's for you to find out. I'm just telling you what's going on. <laughs> that's okay. You don't owe them politeness. They don't owe you politeness. Call 911 on speaker. They're going to be like, who following you? What make you think he following you? He going to be looking at you like, just run it to the store. That's Okay. <laughs> You might be wrong. Okay. Oh, it does seem so <laughs> but, reckless. But sometimes I can appreciate why well, that would be truly necessary because you do not know the intentions of others. Mm-mm. No. So perhaps call 911, put the phone on speaker. The most important thing to do is to let the operator know exactly where you are so they can send help immediately um, if necessary. I would say... Um, I would also probably send a group text, send a text to the group chat and let them know I'm here, here. And I feel weird, mm-hmm. you know, if you have time. But of course, 911 is the best option. A lot of people focus on the part of the body when they're taken that's being pinned. So someone comes behind you and wraps their arms around you. You might try mm. to free your arms. Um, a better option that this recommends is instead focus on the counterattack. Is there a counterattack available? If your arms are being held to your sides and your feet are free, can you stomp your attacker's toes? Can you knee them in the crotch or kick their kneecaps or shins? If you got free hands, go for them eyeballs. It's going to be gross. Okay. But if you ever put your hand in an eggshell, that's just what it's going to be like. It's going to be nasty. (laughs) But you're going to be nasty and free with Mm. eyeball juice on your hands. Okay. It's fine. Yes. Go as hard as you can right in the eyeballs, it says. I love that. Um, Another thing uh, they mentioned is when a person's trying to physically move you, stabilize your base so that you can help fend them off. 
So what does that mean? Basically, if your feet are spread apart on your on the ground and your knees are a little bent, you're harder to knock over and have more control over your movements. Think of a car that rides low, right? It's mm-hmm. less likely that car is going to tip over as opposed to like an SUV. So you want to get as low to the ground, but stable as possible. Also, you know, go dead, uh, go limp. You, you, you ain't going to help them take you. Scream, you know, poop. Yeah. You know, throw up if you want. Whatever you can do. You got a wig, let them take it. And that poop. <laughs> Whatever you can do. Whatever you can do. This is not the time to be cute or polite. This is, is the time not. to fight or flight. Speaking of which, um, an attack will trigger your flight or fight mode your response but without a doubt your main job is not to win this fight if you're listening and you're like i'm not a fighter i'm weak that's fine you're not trying to win even if you're strong make a scene scream as loud as possible and alert anyone within earshot that you need help my name is so and so and so and i am being taken call this number call this call 911 call help help be clear at the top of your lungs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So don't just start swinging punches without trying to aim. You could wear yourself out, make yourself exhausted, and then even easier to take. And I think that's good advice. Do they um, recommend a self-defense class? So one thing I do like is that they're not here talking about how to bob, weave, and duck. But they are focusing a lot on the counterattack if you are taken and um, how to make your blows count. If and see, you, if you do fight. Oh, sorry. That's what a self-defense class teaches you. It doesn't teach you about bobbing and weaving. It tells you how to make your blows count. I'm, I'm taking because I done already them. rolled my eyes at this when I saw a self-defense instructor. Alexis, like, this ain't Tybo. That's all, no, that's all I got to go it's on. not at all the same thing. I've taken several of them and they're quite helpful. They even gave us a cheat sheet. I took it through my employer and they gave us a cheat sheet of some things that you could practice at home. Um and just some quick pointers. Now, I don't remember them today, but there were some really quick pointers. And it's not about Tybo at all. It's about being safe and making your blows count. Yeah, self-defense isn't like taking a karate class. It's just how to protect yourself if ever you're in danger. Mm, thank you. Yeah, so lastly, you might not be stronger than your attacker, but you are smarter. Grind your heel into the little bone of their foot or aim for their nose. Both of these zones have bones and cartilage that can be easily broken, which would distract your assailant and allow you to run for it. That is the goal. Adrenaline will help you to book it out of there and try your best to run toward familiar territory and open spaces where you know there will be other people around. I do feel like we had a theme similar to this at one time, but reminders are good if so. And I know I didn't talk about these points specifically. Have yeah. we had a theme like this? I, I was thinking so too, but I think this is um, more concise and detailed. So, All right. So that's what to do if you're being kidnapped. We really do hope these pointers save us, save you guys if ever we need them. Uh, you ready to move on into our book? The yeah, thanks route? for that information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no problem. Let's take a break. And we're back. Alexis, please. <laughs> Who is 
is Emma Donahue. I've never heard of us. Am I saying her name correctly? Can you give us some context? Yeah, yeah. Emma Donahue is an Irish-Canadian novelist, and she was born in Dublin in 1969. Her father was a literary critic. She spent a year in New York when she was 10. She has a BA in English and French from the University of Dublin, and she didn't actually have to speak French to get it. Mm. She has a PhD from the University of Cambridge, and she's been earning a living as a writer since she was 23 years old. She currently lives in London, Ontario. The book we're covering today is Emma's seventh novel and Mm -hmm. was an international bestseller. It's won plenty of awards. It was adapted into a movie of which she was able to write the screenplay. And it was nominated for a Golden Globe, a BAFTA, and an Academy Award for Best Screenplay. It was also adapted into a play which was performed in Dublin. The book was translated into 42 languages. Mm. So about inspiration, she's got three pieces of information to share. She said the book was inspired by having kids. The locked room is a metaphor for claustrophobic. Tender bond of parent, the claustrophobic tender bond of parenthood. Oh, and I can she, see that. And she borrowed observations, jokes, and kid grammar and whole dialogues from her son, Finn, who was five when she was writing it. Room was also inspired by ancient folk motifs of walled up virgins who gave birth, often heroes, um, gave birth to heroes. Um, Rapunzel, I think it's Danae and then Perseus. Hmm. Um a third one, Rome was also inspired by the Fritzl family's escape from their dungeon in Austria. Though she doesn't feel like she'll ever use a contemporary headline again as a launching point for a book. Um, she didn't like the idea of being accused of exploitation or considered a Fritzl writer. So that is our author. Okay. Thank you for that. <clears throat> yeah. Um, Reading books like this, I'm like, this isn't even real. Should I devote emotion to this? Um, But of course, it is often inspired by true events. And it's hard to get around that. Um, And do you even really want to? Sometimes you just want to talk about these stories and help uh, make this type of struggle, just bring awareness to it. Mm. Maybe even help people to avoid it if possible, which I guess this book doesn't really get into that. But um, it brings some empathy to a story like this. Yeah. Um, so thank you for that context. Now, Alexis, please, can you give us a brief spoiler-free synopsis of Room by okay. Emma Donahue? Jack just turned five. He's curious, happy, and he loves his mom. What Jack doesn't know is the tiny space he lives in is not all there is to the world. It's simply Room. Kari, who do you think would enjoy reading this book? Yeah, I think you would enjoy reading this book if you are, um, if books from a child's POV appeal to you. So we do spend the entirety of this book in Jack's mind. And that can be fun because you are, as an adult, are realizing things 
things even the narrator doesn't realize, right? Because they still have a childlike mind. So they might describe something and you interpret it differently. That can be very interesting um, when your inner dialogue is different from that of the narrators. Um, so I'll say, yeah, that I can't think of anything else right now, really. Um, what about you? Is there a book that you think others who enjoyed that book would enjoy the room? No, I, I was thinking there was a book we read that had different perspectives, but I can't think of the name of it. In okay. fact, the book talked about a um, an experience from the dog's perspective. The, well, that's uh, Anna Karenina. <laughs> was it? Yeah. When they go hunting. <laughs> oh, okay. So Anna Karenina. Yeah. Not really the same, you but. you love Anna Karenina, you would love Room by Emma Donahue. Hot it's take not by the same, But it's a different um, perspective. Because, yeah. you know, usually it's an adult perspective. Mm-hmm. And in that book, you sure it's that one? Any event, <laughs> it had uh, several different perspectives. And I thought that was cool. But the reason I actually chose this book is because I was talking to a friend about um, books on one of our trips. And she had mentioned this concept. And I was like, that sounds intriguing to mm-hmm. me. So let me dive in. She mentioned the concept that the book was... Um yeah. Written around. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she had writ- she had read this book. Yep. Very interesting. Well, without further ado, let's take a deep dive into the story. Alexis, are you ready to Absolutely. talk about Room by Emma Donahue? You have the floor. Okay. So let me just say, I had some struggles with trying to figure out how to retell this story. So no, you have to talk in a baby voice. In fact, I'm not even listening unless you're talking in the baby voice. So I really got to need your help really towards the end, because I think in the front, I have a lot of detail. So the story begins with Jack telling us when he went to sleep last night in wardrobe, this morning he wakes, he was four and this morning he wakes up five. So it's his birthday. And while he talks about um, the story of his birth with his mom, we learn that Jack was born on the rug that still contains a stain as proof that he was born there. And his mom cut her own umbilical cord. That's and mom like, was huh? Mm-hmm. What's going on here? Mm-hmm. And that mom was miserable before he came. So Jack sees mom get out of bed and hot the air, he says. And he tells us that he doesn't think he came last night after nine because the air is usually different when he comes. Jack doesn't ask, though, because mom doesn't like saying about him. Mom offers um, Jack an opportunity to choose if he wants to um, open his gift now or have it after breakfast. And she tells him not to put his fingers in the mouth because they could cause germs. That's not unusual, right? We hear that. Um, And make him sick like he was when he was three. So he chooses to open his present now. um, And the present that he's gifted is a picture of himself with his eyes closed and Jack is bothered um, that mom drew a picture while he was off and she was on (laughs) and now Kari do you know what he's talking about when he's saying this yeah when he's sleep and she's awake he calls being sleep being off like a little robot yeah (laughs) so he pins the picture over the bed but mom says no and Jack says it's because she doesn't want old Nick to see it 
So he pins it in the wardrobe, which is made of wood. And he tells us that the wardrobe doors are squeaky even after they've put corn oil on them. And he tells us that he can smell Ma besides him, beside him. And he tells her that he didn't, he didn't have some this morning. And mom tells him, it's okay. He's five. He can skip from time to time. And Jack is like, no way, Jose. <laughs> so they lie down and he says he has lots. Car, do you know what Jack is talking about here? He's a breastfeeding five-year-old. Jack Is this tells crazy? Us, I mean, especially as the story develops more. I don't know. Say that again. Kids. Say it again. I said, "Is this crazy?" It makes me think of Song of Solomon when that um, boy, in quotes, uh, in quote, out quote, <laughs> is got his feet on the floor laying back breastfeeding. <laughs> now, come on now. Yeah. So, <laughs> but this is a five-year-old in um in a untraditional situation exactly and I think that's the point more than anything because traditionally I think they say don't do it past four yeah I would think a breastfeeding four-year-old is yeah I mean no judgment whatever yeah (laughs) but yeah this situation is completely unusual so Jack tells us about his mom's teeth. He says they're all rotted because she forgot to brush them. Um, and But now she's focused on brushing them. And they share a toothbrush. And she has a tooth that Jack calls bad tooth that hurts her all day, every day. And she takes one killer and two in an emergency. What's a kill um, for her pain? So what's a killer? Kari. You know, ibuprofen, Advil, some painkiller. Some kind of painkiller. Mm-hmm. And he tells us Ma has very few soft spots. She's more bony than she is soft. And that she has some wrist pain. Jack tells us that he and mom have lots to do after brushing their teeth. So he kind of goes through some of the things that they do. And a couple of things are um, watering plants, taking their daily pills. Jack takes a vitamin and mom takes a pill from a silver pack that has 28 little spaceships. Curry, do you know what this is? No, I don't actually. Birth control pills. Oh, okay. So she has birth control now. Yep. Mm. Jack then watches TV and the different TV shows, uh, he kind of refers to them as planets. So each show is a different planet. And what's going on at TV is anything outside a room is out outer space and whatever goes on TV is not real. His favorite show is Dora the Explorer. He likes it, I think, because Dora waits for Jack to answer. Mm -hmm. And he also learns Spanish from Dora. Jack tells us he's afraid of, of SpongeBob SquarePants, though, but he wishes he wasn't. He wants to be more like Ma, um, who's not afraid of anything but old Nick. Now, Jack didn't know the name for him until he saw a cartoon about a guy that comes in the night called Old Nick. So Jack called the real one that because he comes at night and Ma just calls him uh, Old Nick him. So, Kari, could you think of somebody that he might have referenced on TV that comes at night called Old Nick? I thought that was a name for Santa Claus. Yeah, I looked at an um, analysis a little bit, and that's what they suggested, that it might have been a Santa Claus. I wouldn't know. 
Um, <laughs> when Jack asked if Old Nick was old, she said he was nearly double her age. Uh, Jack says, that's real old. Ma is 26. So Ma marks Jack's height on the wall and Jack realizes that there's not much different from when he was four. And mom mm-hmm. tells him that's normal. When Jack asks what normal is, she tells him normal means when things are okay. Because she can't possibly say, mm-hmm. well, <laughs> she has determined not to say that this current situation is not normal. Mm-hmm. She instead just says normal means that things are okay. Jack also describes the room a little. And we know there's a dresser, a bath, a table, a stove, a toilet, a rocker chair. There's a few other things in there. There's a door that's made of shiny magic metal and it goes beep, beep after nine. And when he should be off in wardrobe, there's a little bit of light from the skylight, but the rest is dark. Um, The room is 11 by 11. Uh, One of the activities that they do during the day is they make a a track by putting the table on the bed and then running back and forth on the, um, in the, in their space. There are a few games that they play. And while Jack sees them as games, mom's goal is that these games are, these things are very intentional. They play orchestra where they run around and see what noises they can bang out of things to be as loud as possible. There's a game called Scream where they clear out their throat and stand on a bed to be nearest to the skylight and they scream at the top of their lungs. And then there's a game called Keypad where Ma tells Jack what numbers to put on the, what numbers to enter into the keypad. keypad. And then at one point, Jack has to choose the numbers himself. They have four books with pictures inside. And one of them is My Book of Nursery Rhymes, Dylan the Digger, The Runaway Bunny, and Pop-Up Airport. And that has five. And then there's other books that has five pictures on the cover that have pictures mm-hmm. on the cover. And when Jack was four, they asked for one more book with pictures for Sunday Treat and Alice in Wonderland came. And Jack mm-hmm. says he mm-hmm. likes it, but it has too many words and many of them are old. I concur, Jack. Mm-hmm. Nonsense. <laughs> Jack uh, chooses Dylan the Digger for his reading. Now, there are several things within this story that Jack sees as real versus not real. And again, things on TV are certainly not real. Um, Jack says that mountains are too big to be real. Women aren't real except for Ma. Boys and girls aren't real either. And vegetables aren't real, but ice cream is on TV. So we're to deduce that he isn't being given fresh vegetables in the room. <clears throat> I thought the broccoli that he has later in the book is real. I mean, yeah, it's maybe fresh. he means like growing out of the ground type mm. of vegetables. I'm okay. not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, He also says that men aren't real except old Nick. But Jack is not sure if he is real either, but maybe Mm. half because he brings groceries. Sunday treat and he disappears the trash. But he is not human like Jack and Ma. And he only happens in the night like bats. 
And Jack thinks mom doesn't like to talk about him in case he gets realer. So that evening after dinner, they make a birthday cake and Jack is very excited. He's expecting five candles on fire. And after the cake is finished, they make icing and mom surprises Ma surprises Jack <laughs> with chocolates to put on the cake. She saved a few from Sunday treat three weeks ago. And Jack calls mom sneaky. And this time Jack um, wants to know where that she's hit these sneak, um, these treats. Mm-hmm. And Ma tells him, you know, stop shouting because he's yelling. But Jack says, tell again. And Jack says he doesn't like to be hiding, there to be hiding places from him because there's zombies, ogres, and vampires. And Mom yeah, tells Yeah, so she him, can't even, as a mom, she can't even have a place to hide treats for her son. Mm-hmm. He has to know every inch of the room, every inch of her life. Uh, has to be known by him. Otherwise, he'll be afraid that there's a monster lurking somewhere he doesn't know. So even in this little room, he's afraid that there are parts of it he doesn't know or understand. Yeah. And so um, Ma tells him where she hit him. And she's like, it's just in the box. Calm down. It's okay. Things are fine. (laughs) Um, So now he's ready for the candles. And mom is like, there are no candles, Jack. So Jack starts shouting again and mom covers her ears and he said, you said a birthday cake. It's not a birthday cake because there's no five candles on fire. <laughs> and Jack says he doesn't want the cake, calling it a stinky cake. And Ma tries to calm him down and Jack tells her she should have um, asked for candles for a Sunday treat. And she tells him that she needed pain. They asked for painkillers. He said, well, I didn't need none. So you still should you ask did. for them. Terrible. I'm like, throw him out the window. Oh, you can't. You can't. (laughs) Ma Mm. reminds Jack that they have to choose things that can be um, picked up easily. And Jack says that he can get anything. And Ma tells Jack, "Mm -hmm, if it's too much trouble, he won't get Sunday treat at all. And Jack laughs and says he doesn't go in stores. That's only on TV. And Ma apologizes and said she thought the chocolate would work. And Jack calls her silly. She calls herself Dumbo and he calls her numbskull, but not in a mean way. And tell her um, she better get candles when he turns six. (laughs) He making his demands now. (laughs) She kind of closes her eyes and doesn't say anything. And Jack hates when she does that but this is really taking a moment before she punched Mm -hmm. that child I mean not punch I mean not punch maybe okay um when he was truly being exceptional here as a mother yeah yeah (laughs) and when he was small he thought when she did that that her battery was all used up and in real life it was so yeah yeah (laughs) he ain't wrong (laughs) that he is not wrong jack says his birthday cake is the best thing he ever ate um the skylight skylight is getting black and ma tells jack it's the spring equinox and she remembers that because that was on tv the morning he was born And Jack runs to wardrobe and lies down on a pillow, wraps himself in blankets. And Ma sticks her head in the wardrobe, kisses him goodnight. And Ma shuts the door. 
And he can hear my getting into her sleep shirt and taking painkillers. Um, as he's laying there, they play a few word games and she, um, Jack asks why he is hit away like the chocolates. And she tells him that she doesn't want him to look at Jack. Even when he was a baby, she always wrapped him up in a blanket before he came in. And Jack wants to know if it would um, hurt if he actually saw him. And she tells him no and that Jack should go to sleep. Um, Jack says he like waits for hours. He's got a crazy concept with time. It'd probably be just a few <laughs> minutes and Jack be like, it was hours and hours. <laughs> and um, and so he asks um, if he is coming. And Ma said, it don't look like it. So he goes and gets in bed with Ma. And then in the middle of the night, he wakes up to Mom flicking the lamp lights on and off. And he thinks Mom need, Ma needs this to help him sleep. What do you think? She's doing when she does. I this. didn't understand that. What'd you think? She's actually trying to um, alert people yeah, to them trying being to, there. It's again an additional way to help mm-hmm. her. Um, her way of trying to get out there. Mm-hmm. Somebody oh, take notice of her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The next day, while they are napping, Jack awakes to a scratchy sh- sound, and Jack describes what he sees as an alive thing and a animal for really real not tv it's a mouse and jack sees it go under the stove and he starts whispering to the mouth and he mouse and he's thinking of the story from alice in wonderland you know that part kari when she was talking (laughs) to the uh yeah and she accidentally mentioned her cat diana and the mouse got afraid. Oh, I hate that book. Yeah. <laughs> the mouse hides and Jack waits for the mouse uh, to come out again. Again, Jack is waiting for hours for the mouse to come out. And he's Weeks, also years. No. Yeah, years. And he's looking um, to feed the mouse. So he puts some crumbs on a plate on the floor trying to coax the mouse out of hiding. And then Jack says he sees the biggest um the mouse is the biggest thing he's ever saw, bigger than ants and the spiders that he's seen. He's seen. And then something smashes into the stove. What actually happened here, Kari? Do you know? Yeah, the mom is trying to get the mice out of their room. So she throws something at Mr. Mouse. Yeah, she throws a book at Mr. Mouse and breaks the plate. She's like, now we're down to one plate. Thank you mm-hmm. for entertaining a mouse. Um. After the mouse incident, Ma reads Dylan Digger to Jack three times. And Jack feels like this is when Ma was saying she's sorry. Mm-hmm. Jack tells Ma they should ask for a book for a Sunday treat. And Ma tells him she did a few weeks ago um, so he could get one for his birthday and was told to quit bugging him. Don't they mm-hmm. have a whole shelf already? And Jack is I mean, like, he could go to a free library in somebody's yard and get some books. <laughs> Yeah, this is so extra. Uh-huh. And Jack is like, um, I mean, we got a whole area ready for more books. What are you talking about? But him is also like, why don't you just watch TV? And right. Jack's like, well, that ain't a bad idea either. <laughs> we could just watch TV all day. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And But my is like, no, our brains are rotting and we'll be like him if we do that. And we're not mm-hmm. going to do that. Um, That evening, Jack hears the beep beep. Old Nick is there. So Jack looks through the slats 
and listens. And old Nick says it looks tasty. Maya tells him it's the last of the birthday cake. Old Nick says, should have reminded me. I could have brought him something. What is he for now? And Ma doesn't correct him. And Jack is listening like, why she ain't telling him I'm five? So Jack mm-hmm. whispers that he's five. And Ma says Jack's name in her mad voice. And old Nick laughs saying, it speaks. Old Nick invites Jack to come out and try on his new jeans. And Ma tells old Nick that he's nearly asleep. He then asks for a slice of cake. And Ma tells him it's stale. This man got the audacity <laughs> to get angry. Terrible. Mm-hmm. And then proceeds to say all the things he does for her. And so she's like, oh, <sighs> ah, thank you. Thank you for everything, the groceries. And she gets him a slice of cake. And then he realizes um, quickly that the cake is stale. And Jack hears old Nick then assault his mom. The next morning, Jack demands that Ma should have asked old Nick for a present for him because he's never got a present in his life. And she reminds him about the gift um, that she gave him. And Jack tells her, he don't want that old Dumbo drawing. And he starts crying. Exactly. (laughs) This is when I just pause and just be grateful. I ain't got nothing like Jack in my house. (laughs) (laughs) Bob picks up um, to hold him and then Jack starts talking about he wants a dog and Ma's like we got no space for a dog we'll get tired of a dog he said I won't get tired of a dog I I mean it'll be great to have a dog it'll be right here it'll be my friend he can have my food and just like he wanted the mouse to have his food he just wants this he then names it I think called it Lucky or something The next morning, Jack wakes up to find a remote control Jeep on the table. And Jack knows it's from old Nick, but Ma won't say. And that evening, old Nick comes. And after he assaults Ma, Jack hears hears a silence and wonders if old Nick is having some too. And that gets Jack mad. Mm -hmm. And so he tries to turn on the Jeep with the remote control. Now the Jeep is on top of the wardrobe. And so as he tries to turn it on, the Jeep rolls off the wardrobe and old Nick thinks Ma is trying to attack him with it. So he gets real upset um, and he goes to see what's going on. And I think he opens the wardrobe and Jack hides under the covers. Ma tries to calm old Nick down, get him to lie back down. But instead, he leaves room and Ma goes back to bed. But Jack calls out to her, but she just tells him to go to bed. The next morning, Jack notices marks on Ma's neck and he mentions it, but Ma ignores him. Jack begins to think old Nick puts the put the mark on Ma's neck. That evening, while watching the medical planet, there's a commercial on that has the same pills that Ma takes and Jack notices. And now he's wondering if old Nick actually goes into the TV to get the killers. And Ma tries to shut this conversation down by telling Jack to get ready for bed because she, you know, now she's she done told him that's a fake world out there. And now the fake world has the same thing that she has in a real world. Right. 
<clears throat> but Jack presses for answer. And Ma tells Jack that what he sees on TV is real. Jack is and He's like, nah, uh, you're trying to trick me and you better stop right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm so over Jack. <laughs> She's like, humans, plains, forests, farms, cities. It's all real. And Jack is like, but how do they fit? Ma is mm. like, that's outside. Jack is wants more of an explanation. But Ma's like, go to bed. But Jack has this new piece of information and his is alert, wide awake, not going to sleep. The next day, Ma has a gone day. Kari, can you describe Ma's gone day? This is when the mom who can't leave her physical surroundings escapes through her mind. She doesn't get out of bed. She doesn't speak. She just lies there. And yeah, yeah. this is uh, a trauma victim yeah. who is still in the middle of her trauma. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, this is how she reacts. Yeah. And so when this happens, Jack has to go about his day, his things that he does, they, they do by himself. He feeds himself. He entertains himself. Of course, it's more fun with mom, but he's on his own. A couple of days later, Jack asked Ma for a story and sh- that she never told him before. So she comes up with one about a mermaid. And Jack thinks, oh, it's the little mermaid. She's like, no, it's not the little mermaid. It's about a mermaid who was captured by a fisherman and takes her home to his cottage. And she has to marry him. And Jack is totally upset by this story. The next evening, Jack awakes to Ma and old Nick arguing and old Nick is saying he's been laid off for six months. Old Nick is speaking so harshly to my Jack is afraid he will hurt her. So he makes a sound and old Nick goes to the wardrobe. He mm. pleads with old Nick. Ma does pleads with old Nick to come to bed. Old Nick tries to entice Jack out of the wardrobe with a lollipop. Eventually they go to bed. But Jack is still up and is intrigued by the offer of a lollipop. He gets up hoping old Nick is gone and goes to look for the lollipop. While out of the wardrobe, old Nick wakes up and says, hey, Sonny. And Ma is out of her sleep, screaming louder Mm -hmm. than Jack has ever heard her play their game scream. She is begging Old Nick to leave Jack alone. Old Nick eventually leaves. The next morning, Jack is apologizing for leaving the wardrobe and asks mom, what does little freak mean? What does laid off mean? Where you got me? What does that mean? Yeah, because before Nick leaves, he says, don't forget where you got him. (laughs) Yeah. And Ma learns that the power has been turned off, has been cut. So they're out power all day. Um, and it's cold outside. Mm-hmm. So it's cold inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Ma apologizes to Jack, telling that the power is off because Ma yelled at old Nick. So he's angry. So the power is off. Um, the next day, it's even colder. And Jack tells Ma he's glad old Nick didn't come last night. And he wishes, in fact, that he never came back again. And Ma tells Jack, um, old Nick is the reason they have what they have. And if he stops coming, they won't have anything. 
So mm-hmm. mom tells uh, Jack she has a story from and she begins to tell him to think of Alice from Alice in Wonderland. She tells him that she is like Alice because just like Alice, she wasn't from the Wonderland. She was from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. She didn't always live in Wonderland. Ma didn't always live in Rome. And she tells Jack that she has parents and a brother. And he's like, how could you have a mom when you are mom? Stop trying to fool me. I hate you. (laughs) Jack is not reasonable. He's not. Mm -mm. Okay, this is a great, um, this part of the story too gives us an insight into the mother's life. She's really trying to placate old Nick for the sake of her son um, and his life. Before he came, she told Jack uh, she used to walk around like a zombie. But when he came, uh, so did purpose in her life. So she has to, appeal to her attacker so that he sustains the life of her child. Ugh. What a nightmare. Yeah. So the next day, um, there is still no power. And today, Jack sees an airplane in the skylight. And he gets excited and wants to go outside. And Ma tells him that they can't because old Nick has the cold to let them out and no one knows where they are. Mm. Ma decides to tell Jack her story. She tells him that old Nick stole her when she was 19 by telling her a dog was in need of help and he wanted her to help him. He gave her medicine to make her fall asleep and she woke up in room. Listen, Jack, I need to tell you another story. A true one? Totally true. You know how I used to be all sad? I like this one. Then I came down from heaven and grew in your tummy. Yeah, but see, why I was sad, it was because of Rune, says Ma. Old Nick, I didn't even know him. I was 19. He stole me. I'm trying to understand. Swiper, no swiping. I never heard of swiping people. Ma's holding me too tight. I was a student. It was early in the morning. I was crossing a parking lot to get to the college library, listening to, it's a tiny machine that holds a thousand songs and plays them in your ear. I was the first of my friends to get one. I wish I had that machine. Anyway, this man ran up asking for help. His dog was having a fit and he thought it might be dying. What's he called? The man? I shake my head. The dog? No, the dog was just a trick to get me into his pickup truck, old Nick's truck. What color is it? The truck? Brown. He's still got the same one. He's always griping about it. How many wheels? I need you to concentrate on what matters, says Ma. I nod. Her hands are too tight. I loosen them. He put a blindfold on me. Like blind man's bluff? Yeah, but not fun. He drove and drove. I was terrified. Where was I? You hadn't happened yet, remember? I forgot. Was the dog in the truck too? There was no dog. Ma sounding cranky again. You have to let me tell this story. Can I pick another? It's what happened. Can I have Jack the Giant Killer? Listen, says Ma, putting her hand over my mouth. He made me take some bad medicine so I'd fall asleep. Then when I woke up, I was here. It's nearly black and I can't see Ma's face at all now. It's turned away so I can only hear. The first time he opened the door, I screamed for help and he knocked me down. I never tried that again. My tummy's all knotted. 
I used to be scared to go to sleep in case he came back, says Ma. But when I was asleep was the only time I wasn't crying, so I slept about 16 hours a day. Did you make a pool? What? Alice cries in a pool because she can't remember all her poems and numbers. Then she's drowning. No, says Ma. But my head ached all the time. My eyes were scratchy. The smell of the cork tiles made me sick. What smell? I drove myself crazy looking at my watch and counting the seconds. Things spooked me. They seemed to get bigger or smaller while I was watching them. But if I looked away, they started sliding. When he finally brought the TV, I left it on 24-7. Stupid stuff. Commercials for food. I remembered my mouth hurting, wanting it all. Sometimes I heard voices from the TV telling me things. Like Dora? I think she's shaking her head. When he was at work, I tried to get out. I tried everything. I stood on tiptoe on the table for days, scraping around the skylight. I broke all my nails. I threw everything I could think of at it, but the mesh is so strong. I never even managed to crack the glass. Skylight's just a square of not quite so dark. What everything? The big saucepan chairs, the trash can. Wow, I wish I saw her throw trash. And another time, I dug a hole. I'm confused. Where? You can feel it. Would you like that? We'll have to wiggle. Ma throws duvet back and pulls box out from under bed. She makes a little grunt going in. I slide in beside her. We're near Egg Snake, but not to squish him. I got the idea from the great escape. Her voice is all boomy beside my head. I remember that story about the Nazi camp, not a summer one with marshmallows, but in winter with millions of persons drinking maggot soup. The allies burst open the gates and everybody ran out. I think allies are angels like St. Peter's one. Give me your fingers. Ma pulls on them. I fill the cork of floor. Just here. Suddenly there's a bit that's down with rough edges. My chest going boom, boom. I never know there was a hole. Careful, don't cut yourself. I made it with the zigzag knife, she says. I picked up the cork, but the wood took me a while. Then the lead foil and the foam were easy enough. But you know what I found then? Wonderland? Ma makes a mad sound so loud I bang my head on bed. Sorry. What I found was a chain link fence. Where? Right there in the hole. A fence in a hole? I put my hand down and down her. Something metal. Are you there? Yeah. Cold, all smooth. I grab it in my fingers. When he was turning the shed into room, says Ma, he had a layer of fence under the floor, Joyce, and in all the walls and even the roof. So I could never ever cut through we're wriggling out now we're sitting with our backs against bed I'm all out of breath when he found the hole says Ma he howled like a wolf no laughing I was afraid he'd hurt me but that time he thought it was just hilarious <sighs> my teeth are hard together he laughed more back then says Ma old Nick's a stinking swiping zombie robber we could have a mutiny at him, I tell her. I'll smash him all to bits with my jumbo Megatron transformer blaster. She puts a kiss on the side of my eye. Hurting him doesn't work. I tried that once when I'd been here about a year and a half. That is the most amazing. You heard it, old Nick? What I did was I took the lid off the toilet and had the smooth knife as well. And just before nine one evening, I stood against the wall beside the door. I'm confused. Toilet doesn't have a lid. There used to be one on top of the tank. It was the heaviest thing in room. Bed super heavy, but I couldn't pick up the bed, could I? Asked Ma. So when I heard him coming in, the beep beep, exactly. I smashed the toilet lid down on his head. 
I've got my thumb in my mouth and I'm biting and biting. But I didn't do it hard enough. The lid fell on the floor and broke in two. And he, old Nick, he managed to shove the door shut. I taste something weird. Ma's voice is all gulpy. I knew my only chance was to make him give me the code. So I pressed the knife against his throat like this. She put her fingernail under my chin. I don't like it. I said, tell me the code. Did he? She puffs her breath. He said some numbers and I went to tap them. Which numbers? I don't think they were the real ones. He jumped up and twisted my wrist and got the knife. Your bad wrist? Well, it wasn't bad before that. Don't cry. Ma says into my hair. That was a long time ago. I tried to talk, but it doesn't come out. So, Jack, we mustn't try and hurt him again. When he came back the next night, he said, number one, nothing would ever make him tell me the code. And number two, if I ever tried a stunt like that again, he'd go away and I'd get hungrier and hungrier till I died. She stopped, I think. My tummy creaks really loud and I figure it out why Ma's telling me the terrible story. She's telling me that we're going. The next day, the power's back on, the food is in room, but Ma realizes they need to escape from room. So, but Jack is just happy there's food back in the house and there's heat mm-hmm. and he's just happy. He's pleased now. He's, his base has been satisfied. So she tells Jack they need to come up with a plan and they decide that Jack will pretend to be sick and they can convince old Nick to take Jack to the hospital and Jack can get them help. Jack is afraid. He doesn't want to go to the hospital. He doesn't want to do this alone. And Ma tells Jack to forget the idea he's not ready. Ma later tells Jack that he has to be brave in order to escape room. And he is the only one who can save them and ask and he's like, him whoa, to try. why would we escape room? Why in the world would we want to do that? Yeah. Mm. That's hard on Jack. Because mm-hmm. there's outside, Jack. At dinner, Ma tells Jack they need to put their plan into effect tonight. But Jack is like, no, wait, it's too soon. Let's wait until I'm six. Yeah, let's try this again when I'm six. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and, and he is like done with it after that. And Ma's like, Ugh. she tries to convince Jack that he needs to see outside. But Jack is like, nah, I ain't ready for that. I like room. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Ma tells Jack that their safety is at stake and they need to escape. That evening, Ma tells old Nick, Jack is coming down with something. And Jack is mad at Ma for putting the plan into action. She's like, he's like, this is a Dumbo plan and I don't want no parts of it. And don't be, how dare you tell him I'm sick? I ain't sick anyway. And Ma tells Jack she is in charge and he needs to get on board because she make rules for both her and him. I said, that's right. Put your foot down. Put your foot down. The night of the plan, Jack tells Ma he's scared and he won't remember. So Ma writes a note and puts it in Jack's pants. Jack notices Ma has written a name he doesn't know. And Jack is mad. That's her name, by the way. The baby don't even know her, her his mother's name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When Jack, excuse me, when <laughs> old Nick arrives, he is too scared. Old Nick is too scared to follow um, fall for the plan. He doesn't want to take Jack out. Of course, there's a lot of consequences that come out, a lot of questions that come up with that. So he's too care- scared to put um, fall for that plan. But Ma is he's ready. He's too scared to take Jack to the hospital. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Ma is ready. She's got a plan B. And so she's a little chuckled about it because she knows 
the next step can be put into place. But Jack is like, I'm not ready. I'm still not <laughs> ready. Let's hold out to six. And Ma tells Jack that plan B is based on the story of the Count of Monte Cristo. What does Ma want Jack to do, Kari? Yeah, so pretend to be... So in the Count of Monte Cristo, um, y'all may remember that uh, Edmund um, befriends a priest in prison. The priest dies, and so uh, Edmund, right? Is it? <laughs> I thought Edmund was the son. No, the son is Albert. Oh, okay. So Edmund uh, wraps himself up in the cloak that the dead priest was in. And so when the jailers take the body out, it's actually Edmund's body. They don't know. And he's alive. So, mm-hmm. so um, yeah, mom is like, do that. Yeah. <laughs> and Jack's like, whoa, <laughs> you are saying a lot of nonsense. I'm going to my wardrobe. <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> no one bother me. Poor baby. He is so uh, distraught by all this information he's getting. He he does not mm-hmm. want to be wrapped up and be dead. She's like, you're not really dead, though. <laughs> um. So mom wants Jack to pretend to be dead. And then she will ask old Nick to take him out and bury him. Jack will be wrapped in a rug. And when he puts Jack in the truck, Jack will wiggle out and look for help at the first stop. When old Nick returns, Ma tells him that he killed her baby. So Ma is in full. um, She's acting. acting Yeah. Don't you lay your stinking eyes on my little angel. You killed our baby. You killed my My baby. baby. You killed my baby uh, because you wouldn't take him to the hospital and now he's dead. And they got the nerve to say, oh, you poor girl. (laughs) (laughs) And and she's like, "If and you take him out of here and you bury him far away. And if you don't bury him far away, you will never hear me stop screaming. I will never be quiet again. So, oh, Nick falls for plan B. He takes rolled up a Jack rolled up in the rug out of room. Jack is scared and kind of loses control of his bodily function. Once the truck is moving, Jack tries to wiggle out of the rug and it's harder than expected, but he could hear mom talking to him. But the, in, her, in his head, in his he head. remembers her words. Yeah. yeah. By the um, third stop, Jack is trying to figure out how to jump. He's out of the rug now, but he's trying to figure out how to jump out because the vehicle is moving. He got the instructions to jump out when it was stopped, but now it's moving. He don't know what to do. And then pretty soon Jack is out. Excuse me. Oh, Nick has stopped the vehicle and is out of the uh, truck. And so Jack jumps out, starts running until he sees someone. Oh, Nick is running after Jack and Jack is seeing like a, in the distance, a dog, a baby, like, are these things real? But he sees it. And he's yeah, done. so his the, his eyesight never, he never was able to gauge dimensions. Yes. Yeah. Just having been born and lived in that room. So how far something is and how close it is, is really hard for him to gauge. Yeah. His spatial perception is off. Yeah. And as he's um, running towards the dog, it jumps up and bites him. And Jack He said, the dog ate me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said, the dog ate him. That was cute. Yeah. Um, 
He's bleeding from the bite. I think he is. And then just like that, old Nick grabs him from behind. Jack starts screaming, thinking about what his mom says. Um, And the person calls out to ask if his little girl is okay. And old Nick says, fine, just a tantrum. The person says, I think her hand is bleeding. And old Nick says, it's under the control. Mind your business. Mm hmm. Jack remembers to grab his note from his pants, but old Nick snatches it from his hand and disappears it. The man says he doesn't like what's happening here. He said he doesn't like what's going on here and that he's going to call the police. And in fact, I got your plate number and I am reading them off at this very moment. And he starts reading off his plate number. Old Nick throws uh, Jack down and begins to run back to his truck and drive away. Mm-hmm. The man, Ajit, tries to talk to Jack, but Jack is speaking in low tones and Ajit finds it difficult to hear. When the police arrive, Jack does his best to lead them back to Ma. He does a pretty good job. Um, <laughs> again, there is the communication barrier because Jack doesn't have an address. Um, there is no... He's like... I was supposed to hop out at the first slowdown, but there were three slowdowns. And then I ran and the police officer, who's a woman, there are two officers, one's a man. And he's like, I'm over all this. Obviously, this little boy is in a cult. And so <laughs> something like that. The, yeah. the male yeah. officer is very dismissive. Yeah. But the female officer, the woman officer is like, OK, Jack, I got it. Three right turns and uh, go down the street. And she's interpreting child speak. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the they find Ma. Yeah. And uh, Jack is. I mean, at this point, where did you think Nick went? I felt I felt like old Nick was going back to kind of get rid of all evidence of Ma. Yeah, I agree. I thought he was going back there as well. But then I thought about it. It doesn't make sense because Jack gets away. He just needs to protect himself. He, she could die in there because he doesn't think. Jack will be able to tell where oh, he's at. Oh, direct them back. Yes. Oh, so okay. it would be no problem. So maybe problem. he was going to go hide out for a little yes, bit. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Um. So then, um, of course, they reunite and Ma tells him they are never going back and he cries. Mm-hmm. They're taken to the police station. Ma inter- is interviewed and Jack is allowed to breastfeed at the station they are sent to the hospital. To everyone's horror. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, <gasps> yeah. And she like, I've been in a shed in the back of someone's house for 10 years. And this is what's freaking everybody out. <laughs> exactly. <Okay>. Exactly. <laughs> They're um, sent to a hospital where mom's thoroughly examined. They want to examine Jack uh, for signs of abuse. But mom says there's no need. She never let Jack out of her sight. Jack sees him and Ma on TV while she's being examined and wants to tell Ma, but um, a woman there turns the TV off. When Jack goes to the bathroom, Ma throws out his underwear because there's soil and his dirty T-shirt. And, and he's like, oh, Ma is just throwing stuff out. She being <laughs> real reckless with our stuff. Uh, <laughs> they have a shower. Jack is a bit afraid of the shower. They get their own towels and robes. And Jack is surprised, like, my own stuff and Ma is like really happy to have her own stuff so she's getting stuff and she's not even sharing with Jack 
Jack is having all these new experiences, wondering what's real and if old Nick will find them. But mom tells him, old Nick doesn't know where we are. Jack is overwhelmed by everything, the space, the food, the timeline, when they do things. She's like, well, let's go. Um, I think she says eat breakfast. And he was like, wait, but don't we shower first? So don't we take a bath first? She's like, no, everything feels backwards. Mm-hmm. She's told by the doctor that Jack is going to have some challenges adapting to social um, adjustments, sensory modulation, and a few other things, including the spatial perception. And Ma realizes that that's probably why he is bumping into things. The doctor tells Ma that he they want to just make sure the two of them feel safe. Ma feels like she's done this great job rearing her child, so there should be nothing wrong with him. But mm-hmm. she's, she, of course, she doesn't understand the full uh, gravity of what has happened to him. And those are the things that are affected. He's affected by. Again, he's got to adjust to society. He's been living in a box for years, mm-hmm. all his life, in fact. She knows the outside world, and he doesn't right. know the outside world. So the police come and they show my picture of old Nick that he's been arrested and the doctor requests a DNA test. Um, but Ma doesn't want one. And the doctor tells her not to let old Nick get off on a technicality just because you don't want to take a test. Right. Ma's mother comes, tells her that she and her father are no longer together. She got a new man. She introduces him to her new man. And they meet Ma's brother and his wife. And they learn that um, her brother has a daughter. Ma learns that her father is in Australia. And when he finally arrives, he wonders why Ma would keep Jack. Mm. That was hard for Ma to understand. Yeah. So there's a moment when she's in the room with her father, having been reunited. Finally, she sees her dad. And every time Jack comes into the room, the dad cannot look at it, he says, because I can't bear to think of what that man has done to you to produce it. And so Ma's like, his name is Jack. Look at him. You know, so. mm -hmm. So they have an attorney um, and the attorney convinces Ma to have a TV interview because um, eventually the bill is going to start coming in and you got to pay him somehow. So might as well tell you a story. So they set up an interview. um, And during this interview, the interviewer asked Ma questions about her time in the room, the baby she lost. Why she kept Jack, why she's breastfeeding him. So this is huge. Jack was not her first child in that room. She had a little girl who got strangled by the umbilical cord. um, And old Nick just sat there and did nothing. Just watched it all happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Buried that baby in the backyard. And then later Jack came. And you as a reader, you don't know this. I don't think. No, we don't know. We don't know. Um, And then why... uh, she decided to deceive Jack about the realities of the outside world. Why did she even keep Jack? And my yeah, they're like, didn't you want your child to be free? So as soon as you had it, why didn't you beg him to take it to an adoption center? <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, very cold. Yeah, they're um, so soon she's crying. Um, they're really implying that she's selfish, and she kept him out of selfishness and loneliness. And when Jack sees Ma cry, although he is not supposed to be on camera, he goes to the sofa and sit next to Ma, and the interview is immediately stopped. The next day, Ma has a gone day. Again, this is where she stays in the bed all day and kind of disconnects. And Jack is glad Ma has gone days in the real world, too. Jack goes, um, so that day was a day they were supposed to go to the museum, but Jack goes to the museum uh, heads to the museum with the uncle and aunt and the cousin. But before they go there, they decide to go to the mall. And what happens at the mall, Kari? A lot of things. So this is a very, uh, there are a lot of things going on in this environment. Um, this boy has spent his entire life in a room. So now he's in a sh- American shopping mall. Uh, he steals a book thinking that it's his book. It's not his book. They have to pay for it. Um, his little neat or cousin is with him. He like touches her inappropriately um, because he can't believe her body. Like he's never seen a body like hers. He gets disciplined for that. Um, there is a moment, I think when he's recognized um, that mm-hmm. causes a headache. So, yeah, it's a lot. It's not necessarily a fun experience and they never make it to the museum to see the dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. So when they get back to the clinic after the store is when Jack um, um, returns to see it, lay next to his mom and he notices that his mom, his mom's pillow smells and he sees she's vomited and he tries to wake her, but she doesn't move. And Jack sees that all Ma's killers are gone. So he runs and gets Ma help. And they come in and they take Ma um, away to try to get her better. So this is where um, I kind of stop. But <laughs> there is a little bit more to the story. So Ma is being cared for. She's in another area um, of the hospital now because she's tried to unalive herself. And then um, grandma comes and she decides that she needs to take Jack out of the facility and takes Jack to her house. That's an interesting adventure. Everything is new. People are learning patience. Jack is just learning the world. Um, How long is Ma in uh, separate? Is it a couple of weeks? Yeah, I want to say a couple of weeks. And uh, during this time, Jack is discovering that he has he's forming a relationship with his grandmother. Um, there's some adjustments there that need to be made because the grandma's like, how come you don't know this? Why don't you do this? Uh, she wants to help him, but she doesn't really know how to approach him. Her step, her husband, his step grandpa uh, is actually very helpful because he is probably uh, less invested emotionally right. in a lot of ways and a lot more rational. Right. So in one example, when Jack has a tantrum, uh, the grandma acts like it's the end of the world. And her husband is like, all right, you good? You want to go watch a game on the couch? And Jack like sure (laughs) he just got through screaming bloody murder to everyone but he's calmer now you know he's still a kid he's like whatever um also uh the mom when she does come back they get their own place and um they there are resources there to try to acclimate them to the real world her and her son yep and that brings us to the end of the story well can we say one more thing 
Um, so Jack's been taken from his whole world. He sees the room right. as his safe mm-hmm. place. It was not a place he was uh, he where he was a captive in his eyes. So he's a few times asking if they can go back to the room to the mom's horror. But she conce- concedes. She she goes ahead, works with police to arrange for them to visit the room. And this is a moment of closure at the end of the book. Um he walks into the room, Jack does, and he's like, this isn't the room, it's too small. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, Jack, this is the room. Mm-hmm. You just remember it differently now that you've seen the whole world. And so at the end, he on his own is like, bye, um, bed, bye, blah, blah, bye, room. And they walk out together, ready to form a new future. Mm-hmm. You ready to take a quick break? Yeah, let's do it. What is your final verdict? And would you recommend this book? Yeah, I thought this book was very interesting. When I first started it, I was like not very engaged with it. I wasn't into the child's point of view and the baby talk. Um, But as the story unfolded, you realize, oh, there's more going on here than meets the eye. Um, I was very into it through the end of the book. Now, as they get out of the room and try to um, acclimate themselves to the real world, uh, that story that develops to me is even more interesting than the story in the room. And since the author said this is also like a metaphor for a child parent relationship, I see that there where there's some comfort in this place that you can't stay in forever um, and there's a danger in staying there forever. You have to grow up. You have to go out into the real world. So I like that. I like that comparison she made. Um, but in all, I very much enjoyed this book and would definitely recommend it. This is a very unique story. And in the end, I wanted to know what happened with um, Ma, who we never even know her name, and Jack. Uh, so yeah very good well done Emma what about you Alexis what did you think of Room and is this a book you'd recommend Uh, so I really enjoyed hearing this story from the perspective of a child um, a five-year-old in fact and trying to Mm -hmm. understand the things that he was describing within his retell his telling of the story I thought that was fun and inter um truly an entertaining aspect of this book and um it kept me engaged um the story out actually the story outside was a little more boring to me i liked what was happening in the room although the escape was um good and the part after well they're living after it, I mean, it has some meat to it, but I prefer the story within the room. You want them to stay in captive. I didn't want that. Prisoners. <laughs> didn't want that. <laughs> but I also feel like the book tells the complete story. I don't feel like there's any more to be told once they've told it. She covered every aspect of it, the before, the after, and uh, a little into the future um, with this book. And I think that was a great coverage of this book so I would definitely recommend it it was a good book great Alexis what are we reading next week The Wager A Tale of Shipwreck Mutiny and Murder by David Gringan 
Okay. And this is a nonfiction book, you guys. I'm really excited for this one. It's come up on a few lists and I've been wanting to read it to read it for a while. I actually uh, bought the hardcover uh, because I like wasting money. Um, So we'll see how that goes. So see you next Thursday. There will also be a few more little literallys, uh, which are our bonus episodes. uh, Semi every Tuesday, not every Tuesday, not biweekly, just sometimes. Uh, So look out for those on Tuesdays and please continue to watch us and subscribe on YouTube. Thank you for listening to Lit Society. Lit Society is brought to you by Alexis Anaria and Kari Herrera. Support the cause by leaving a five-star review for our show on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, along with a comment about why you absolutely love us. We love y'all too. Tell one friend. If you like this episode, tell one friend about it. See what they think. And until next week, you guys. Read read something. Read something.